Israel Houghton, a prolific worship leader, musician, songwriter, producer, and recording artist whose music ministry has spanned 22 years. Houghton is a recipient of five Grammy Awards, 13 Dove Awards, two Stellar Awards, and a Soul Train Music Award, and many more. Welcome to my home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You've been here before, right? Oh, he could cast him. Yeah, man. Is that right? I'm glad we get to hang out, man. So, isn't this beautiful? This is amazing. Yeah, they do weddings and, and everything here, but you got to see my suite. Especially if you and the lady are going to come sometime. Okay. It's like a two bedroom apartment. It's oh, okay. really cool. That's great. Yeah. Cool place, man. Yeah, and when the spring is here and they have all this outdoor stuff going on, it's absolutely gorgeous. This has been here how long? I saw that it's a historic it is. site. It's historic, I don't know. We'll have to find out, huh? Right. So and we're always trying to stay at hotels somewhere in New York, and it's like, sure. this, this is, is a so joke. <laughs> this is how far from the city, do you have any idea? Good question, maybe 45 minutes. <laughs> now down here's a restaurant, library, we hear a piano. I hear a piano. I'm gonna introduce you to my music. He's with us. Okay. Ronald. What's his name? Ronald. Ronald. Okay. Ronald, Ronald Green. He loves you, man. Man. So this will be a Your treat. Your team too. did great on the thing too. Thanks, man. So this is the library. He's got things in his ears, so he probably don't even let me talk about the show. Come on in. You know this music. What's happening, man? So this is Israel Houghton. How are you, man? Israel, this is Ronald Green. Pleasure to meet you, like in person. Right, yeah, oh my gosh, all mine. How are you? Very good, thank you. So I understand we do a lot of his music. Extremely, like an extreme amount, yeah. Well, I'm grateful for that. Well, you were, when I sent you the link to our service last week, I had no idea that was your music. Yeah. And then Ronald told me, no, this is music. I'm like, dude, you're everywhere. It's wild, man. Thanks for the invite, too. It's a great service. How's it feel to have your music? all over the world. I mean, listen, it never gets, um, it never gets old. Like it's, you know, it's funny on Instagram or Twitter, you'll get all these versions of people doing songs. That's kind of what made us offer that out to the world when mm. we did Feels Like Home, just to get other people's right. perspective on what we do. And it, it never ceases to amaze me. Like one, people's interpretation of, what we do. Some are amazing and right. some are amazing. Right. <laughs> right. Amazing in a different way. Yeah. But right. but it's so true to them. You yeah. Know? And yeah. So they take your honor. stuff and then they really personalize it. And I hope that they do. That's I nice. mean, frankly, hmm. there's a lot of songs that I love, but I always tend to put my take on it. Uh -huh. So I have no problem when somebody does that with mine. Do you do that with his stuff at all? Do you arrange things? Yeah. yeah. So Especially like, what, what would you do? In a multicultural church? I mean, his music is already multicultural, but I mean, sometimes we have to switch it around just to, so it'll be uh, a little bit more re re relatable to another culture or things like that. Yeah. 
maybe slow a fast song down or something like that. Sure, yeah. sure. All right, last thing with you. I yeah. asked Ronald on the way up. Who do you think Israel's top three songs? I mean, if he's got all these songs and he's really just famous and everything, and we're singing this stuff and half the world may not even know it's his stuff. It's great stuff. What would you say are like the top three? Now, he told me what they were. I said, now I'm going to ask Israel the same thing. Let's see if they match up. Do I you remember? I thought they were. Do you yeah. remember what they are? I think. Don't say yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What would you say are your top three biggest ones that, that everybody That is the hardest question. <laughs> um, I said what would I say are the top three that would be considered worldwide? Yeah, maybe something like that or the best or oh, what people love the most. I mean, I can only... Uh, okay. I'll, I'll level a guess, all right? I would say you are good. I would say friend of God, probably. And I would say two moving for forward. But mm-hmm. my, my sort of my favorites, and I never say that because I don't really have favorites, yeah. mm-hmm. but would be To Worship You, I Live, which you were playing when I walked in, and Alpha and Omega. Even though I didn't write Alpha and Omega, <laughs> I didn't write that song, but you know, it, we published it and we own yeah. it. But um, that, that is one of those songs that regardless, wherever we are, they just has an effect. Three what did you three. say? I said, you are good, friend of God, Alpha and Omega. Wow. Wow. <laughs> there you That's go. Awesome. You get an A for the day, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's sit under lights here okay. and have a little interview. That's very good. So then what about um, A.R. Bernard in New York? So did you leave there? So here's what happened. So when I left in, in 2015, um, nobody really knew about that until kind of mid-2016 once I had announced getting divorced and all of that. But we had gotten divorced seven months before that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so I ended up in L.A. and kind of, you know, I had a lot of peers and a lot of friends in ministry, um, but I felt like I really needed a father's voice. And so I actually ended up doing an event here in New York kind of during all that turmoil. Mm-hmm. And he had just gotten off the stage. And I'm walking past him. He was talking to somebody. He just grabbed my arm, kind of pulled me in. He said, call me. And I said, okay, and he pulled me again. He said, no, you actually have my number. Use it, you know. Mm. So I called him a couple days later and I said, hey, you know, if you were serious, I really need you in my life. And he goes, that's why I told you to call me. Nice. And he's been just, for, for Adrian and me, he's been incredibly, you know, incredibly effective in, in just pastoring us and yeah. walking us through life. It's been great. Pastors need pastors. Absolutely. And everybody needs a Paul, even yeah. if you're a Timothy. And Absolutely. So it is really great that you're able to, even in the midst of being a superstar, really, I guess, that people uh, would think that you're on top of the world. <laughs> you know, That's but a you're saying I'm a large submit- misnomer, man. But you know, yeah, but you're saying I'm submitting myself to of course. the covering of the man of God. Of course. You know, yes, and, and, but that doesn't always happen with artists, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been told that, but I, you know, I've always loved the local church. I've always felt called to the local church. Um, and whatever happens outside of those walls doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens connected and tethered to, yeah. to you know, what we really stand for. Well, let's go all the way back. How did you come to know the Lord, bro? Wow. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I guess I would have to start at the beginning, the, just the Psalms 139 take on it. My mother uh, was 17. My mother was white. My mother still is white. Yeah, actually. right. right. She's, it's uh, insane. Right. And uh, she got pregnant when she was 17. 
Um, my father was black, and so there was a whole lot of turmoil around that in, in 1971, as you can imagine. And uh, even though it was illegal at the time, um, you know, a lot of people suggested she have an abortion and just kind of move on with her life. She had a lot of promise as a, as a concert pianist, amazing musician. Mm. And she just had the presence of mind to say, no, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give birth to this child. So she ended up kind of getting kicked out of her parents' home and all of I'm that. Sure. She ended up in, in Oceanside, California, eight months pregnant. And uh, the state had just, the, the hospital had just told her, we're going to take your baby away when he's born because you have drugs in your system. She had been doing drugs throughout her whole pregnancy. Oh. And you're, you're an unfit mother. You know, that's what we would, you know, categorize you as. And so she's walking literally down Ocean Boulevard in, in Carlsbad and a lady crossed the street and came over to her and she said, hey, I don't know you, but I just felt like I needed to tell you that Jesus loves you and that you're not forgotten. Really? And um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know why I always get choked up when I tell the story, but like my mother had grown up in a parochial school and church her whole life, had never heard Jesus actually loves you. She had actually heard the opposite, you know. Really? God is mad at you and there's yeah, nothing you can yeah, do. And yeah. Good luck getting into heaven, you know, wow, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. All that guilt. And so um, <clears throat> right there on the street corner, she kind of sat down on the curb and, and prayed a simple prayer with this lady. Mm. And uh, the miracle, and I, and I do... I do emphasize that it was a miracle. I know it was, is that she never touched another drug. Really? So, I mean, I know that's, I know people who are dealing with addiction and things like that. Yeah. That's, that's wild. But yeah, she never touched another drug. And so when she did give birth 30 something days later, all those drugs were out of her system. How about so that? they couldn't enforce that. How about that? And so I say all that to say, you know, when I read before I formed you, I knew you and you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And, you know, yeah. all of the, you know, tumult surrounding me just making it to day one, let alone 40 yeah. something years is uh, is amazing. So um, <clears throat> I'll now fast forward. My mother married my stepfather, who's white, uh, when I was a year old. Oh, wow. And when they were. When I was five, they went into full-time ministry. So I grew up a PK, and uh, I grew up the black sheep of the family. Uh -huh. I say that, uh -huh. you know, tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> so all my siblings are white. My parents are white. Okay, okay. And the neighborhood that, and the, and the church that I grew up in, uh, that my parents pastored, was probably 80% Hispanic. Really? And so I'm a black kid in a white family in a Hispanic culture, and really? I was just confused from day one, man. So you speak Spanish too? Uh, enough not to get arrested, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm married to a Puerto Rican and I'm in a beautiful Puerto Rican family. And so I'm learning more as I go, but all that to say, I did have kind of a real encounter with God at an early age. Yeah. I understood the power of the presence of God at a very early age. And then in high school kind of really, you know, Leaned in and did you feel like a call to ministry at, at that young age, or did you kind of go through a time of no? I wanted away? to be the second baseman for the New York Yankees. Are you serious? Yeah, I felt a call to be a baseball player. Look at that. The problem is with calling, <laughs> you might feel the call, but you might not necessarily be qualified for that particular uh -huh. area. Well, that happens in ministry all the time. Of you know? course, <laughs> of course. So I, you know, I I remember being 
13, 12, 13, and singing at a talent show for the first time at my school and singing a gospel song. And, and everybody like, you know, almost expecting tomatoes and booze and instead all these cheers. And it's like, they were, li- wow. I'm literally standing for the gospel Wow. and they're cheering. And it was kind of at that point, I think that was the first, you know, steps to, to fashioning, maybe this is what I'm going to do. I had a lot of people around me saying, you should become a pastor. And I was like, that is never, ever going to happen. <laughs> That's not and so problem. far, so far never has, <laughs> you better has watch held that. out. <laughs> yeah, you better watch it. Oh, man. <laughs> would, would you say that there were a lot of pastors or ministers or artists who really influenced your thinking about God and about your, your, your calling as an artist? I mean, calling as an artist sounds a little bit funny because I never set out to be an artist. It's just who you were. Yeah. So in my first year of college, I'm, I'm back in Arizona and, and um, I ended up going to this church and a friend of mine played bass there and about five minutes before the service, and I, I probably should say I hadn't been in church at that point for about six months. I was... I was in my obligatory uh-huh, running uh-huh. from God phase, uh-huh. pastor's kid, you know, whatever. Yeah, and there. first year to. of college, you know, the whole deal. And so um, I, I show up because my friend says, hey, you know, just come to church with me. So I go five minutes before he runs and grabs me in a panic, says, you're playing drums. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, you got to, we need a drummer. Our drummer's not here. And I said, man, listen, I'm so not interested in that. And he goes, you don't, you don't understand. You have to. I said, I don't know any of the songs. He goes, our drummer doesn't know any of the songs. That's funny. So <laughs> I end up, you know, getting up and really? getting through it. And I, I ended up just going to church there regularly. And about nine months into it, the pastor called me hmm. on a Wednesday. And he said, hey, would you consider being our worship leader? I had been playing drums for a while now. And I said, man, you know, I said what you say to your pastor when you don't want to outright say no, I just said, I'll pray about, <laughs> I'll pray it. about it. And he goes, pray hard and fast because I need you to start tonight. And that's really what began the journey of being a full-time worship leader from the time I was 19 to, to right now. It's been 30 years. Wow. You still love it? I still love it, yeah. Wow. Did you ever get burned out? I think anybody who's done anything for any length of time with people yeah. gets burned out. Yeah, yeah. And I think my problem is, you know, one, one of the things I heard a great thinker named Tudor Bismarck say, Mm -hmm. he said, people like David and Samson made their biggest, most gravest mistakes when they were tired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not just they were full of lust and couldn't help themselves. They were tired. Yeah. And I remember hearing that just going, man, the biggest mistakes I made, the most regrettable things I ever did happened in a, in a moment of, fatigue and burnout yeah, and, yeah. and just kind of hopelessness. Yeah. And while you're giving hope to the world, you know, from exactly. stages all over the place, you feel hopeless. That's a yeah. terrible place to be. You mentioned your divorce earlier, and I know little of that, but I know a lot of people have been divorced. I'm a pastor of a large church. You um, sure recognize that in your ministries. Uh, it just happens. They're on my staff, it, uh, my elder board, it, throughout my ministry. Sure. Whatever the circumstances are, I know that divorce is always hard. Um, but how did you get through it? How did God reform you, renew you, restore you 
Because it had to be difficult, yes? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and frankly, it was, um, this is no disrespect to anybody, but it was probably, in a 20-year marriage, it was probably 12 years too late. Mm. And so it had already kind of been dying. Oh, yeah. And now yeah. it's almost like you got two people who are just coexisting. Yeah. And, and I would say peacefully. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, when we got separated, that's when the peacefully kind of kicked in. It's huh. almost like we knew this is inevitable. But, <clears throat> um, you know, I, I think there is this pressure and this, uh, I, I want to I thread this needle finally, but there's kind of a pressure slash prostitutional element to we got to stay together because Minister. our lifestyle, our livelihood, uh, our reputation depends right. on looking a certain way. Right. And, um, and I don't mean to offend anybody with that word, yeah. but it's like. But marriage is also almost a cover now. Oh, yeah. It, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a marketing uh, it's a marketing plan. So y'all finally got to the place where you're like, it's not worth the cover. Let's <clears throat> separate. Let's, yeah, it's time. Yeah, and and every you know, and for the sake of our kids, who we both love very much, we were able to to work through that. Wow. Um, and keep people pretty much at bay. It wasn't until I decided, listen, I I'm, I'm just not going. I I need peace more than I need a platform. Correct. And I didn't have any peace in my life. So you were ready for that peace to come into your life. And uh, was there a time when you feel like God was really uh, not speaking to you uh, or going through uh, that time period where God was speaking to you extra. So, so this sometimes is, people feel like it's shut off. Okay. Other times I feel like, man, it's flowing in. And yes. that's gotta be very interesting. The darkest times were when nobody knew anything. And, uh, and I'm still being touted around the world as, God's man of faith and power and the anointed minstrel that I was, right? And then you kind of, there's a passage in Isaiah that says, who among you uh, fears the Lord, who lights your own fires and starts your own sparks? And I'm sure you've read that before. And Mm -hmm. it says your daily end will be torment. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've heard it read, your end will be torment, like you're just Mm -hmm. gonna end up in hell. No, it's your daily end. So the idea is you could go through, (laughs) Yeah, you could go through all these great, you know, euphoric moments on stage and then end up in your hotel room looking at yourself going, man, who are you? Yeah, What exactly. is this? And so those were the hardest times. It was when I finally brought truth to my world and said, listen, I've failed in, in my marriage. And I got to be honest with you, I never expected to ever remarry. I, I just figured like... You failed at this, you're done. Like, yeah, I don't do marriage. <laughs> yeah, figure something else out with your life. And it was in those moments, like, you know how the, the things we say from stage, like, God is good, everybody says all, all the time, time, all the time. You know, like, I'm blessed and highly favored. You, you, the, these things that have become a little bit cliche or have, or have had little effect, um, suddenly those, now I can say God is good all the time. And all mm. the time, God is good because, because he is. And you've experienced it. I've experienced mercy and grace that I did not know existed. Because I, I yeah. experienced them without 
anybody else's manipulation of con or control of the grace or the mercy. Yeah. And yeah. it was pure, unfiltered God going, I love you. Yeah. And, and you're going, and you're almost like, no, you know, I mean, what can I do in exchange for your right. love? Because, right. and it's like, bro, on your best day, in your greatest righteousness, it's still filthy. Yeah, yeah. So just receive it. Yeah. Wow. And and for me in this season that I'm in and in this era of my life, nothing is cliche mm. and nothing is a gimmick to get people to hoop and holler. Yeah. Everything is about, yo, this is actually real. This is not something I've seen other people do and, and I've emulated that. Right. This is God is truly beautiful and faithful and kind yeah. and wonderful. And you know it. And, and I you know it. that you know it. And I could never be talked out of it now. Yeah. Your uh, second wife then, do you feel like she's a grace? Like this has just been a grace of, of God in my life. God's <laughs> grace is in the Israel. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I've had some people get upset with me saying that because, you know, there are people who will say, well, if you were divorced and, you know, and all there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I wake up every single day, Pastor. And I see grace in motion. Yeah. Like literally every day. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I I literally don't care if nobody else understands that. Yeah. I'm yeah. living in it. And uh And went and got yourself a Puerto Rican. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And and uh, I guess a famous one too. Like she's a television person. She is. She's yeah, she's awesome. And and yet she downplays so much of that. And That's when you sweet. see her in when you see her in action, she is, you know, she's easily one of the most generous people I've ever met in my life and selfless people I've is ever right? met in my life. Yeah. So would y'all be known as a, a celebrity couple or how's that work? I, I guess in some circles, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've always felt like being a worship leader is anti-celebrity, even though worship yeah. has become this industry. You know, right. and when we were first starting out, we were like, we want to do worship music and, and the experts in Nashville would be like, no, you need to do, you know, inspirational and situational music. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, but I'm a worship leader. The idea is if you're a worship leader, you know, at, at least for me, my end goal is to be looked through, not to be looked at. Mm. So my, on my best day, I'm a lens to, to point people to Jesus. Like at, yeah. at some point... I could, I, I'd love to be able to be forgotten on that stage yeah. and people going, I'm connected to God right now. And I could care less who's, who's in my frame. Wow. I could care less who has a microphone in their hand. Here's the thing. Those of us who are on the other side, who are in the audience or the, the, the congregation, I think we know that too. Like we know when we're singing through you, when you're ushering us to him, but I think we also know when it's all about you. One of the things I love about Ronald, our, our worship director, who you met earlier, is that is so him. He elevates the other voices around him. And he said to me so many times, uh, Pastor Anderson, this is not my platform. It's not about me. We just want to usher people. And so then you feel like everybody on that stage is actually like truly worshiping God. And it makes you want to do it. Absolutely. So thank you for being a worship leader. I love leader. that. I love that about Ronald for sure. But I, I just one, it puts way more pressure on God and way less pressure on right. him, frankly. Yeah. And so the idea of like, if I can just help people have an experience with God and encounter with God, and I can get out of the way, 
that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This is great. Hey, well, listen, I know we have uh, just a little bit more time left, but I want to kind of turn uh, the conversation to my ministry. Okay. Uh, of Gracism, of Bridgeway Community Church, which I hope you'll come sometime Man. and uh, hang out with our people. And yeah, we just to. love to have you hang out with us and uh, sing if you want to sing or just eat some steak and drink some uh, uh, water that the Lord might turn into wine. So anyway, <laughs> we just got to pray hard enough. I but, love it. Uh, let's turn this conversation. Gracism. You, when we talked the first time on the phone and stuff, you had mentioned that you knew about it. And it yeah. just touched my heart because the more we get the gracism uh, philosophy out where our favor is extended to everyone, regardless of maybe even because of color, class, and culture, uh, the more we'll turn the tide and the stems of uh, racism. And it's bad right now. Yeah. Man. Tell me your thoughts feel, about I these matters. Like, well, I, I, I've always been impassioned by um, treating people well. I feel like if, if anything, you know, people are marveling that we're in our 20th year of as a ministry. You know, Newbridge started in 2000. Mm, and wow. Congratulations. And, but I got to be honest with you, in 2007, we, we had so sort of given way to entitlement and, and, you know, some of the elitism that comes with fast success that I was so burned out on some of the people that I was in ministry with that I just finally... You know, it was the first it was the first year we did deeper, 2007, and I was literally using it as a conference to say, "Okay, goodbye, everyone." You know, mm. and instead, we happened upon Romans 15 in the Message translation, and I'll paraphrase quick, but it's those of us who are strong in the faith need to jump in and lend a hand to those who falter, and not just do what is convenient to us. Strength is for service, not status. Mm, And I remember, I remember reading that and it just slapping me in the face. Strength is for service, not status. So if we have been empowered, if we have been given a platform, if God has actually answered our prayers, you know, those dangerous prayers you pray like, God, use us to go all over the world and use our songs and touch people and and let them be translated in different languages, you know, all all those crazy prayers we pray. And then God actually did it. Then you're sitting there going, well, was it God or am I amazing? You know what I mean? And if I could be transparent and, and, and our team sort of had to look at, at each other and go, are we, are we strong to the point of serving others? Are we strong to the point of posting online how strong we are? Right. Yeah. And, um, that is what kept us going when we just said, okay, we're going to be a ministry that gives more than it receives. Mm. And, um, and, and, you know, I, I can honestly say for the last 13 years, that has been what we've done. Wow. Well, you know, with regard to, uh, the things that are going on in the country, mm-hmm. uh, does your music somehow cross over that, those color lines and kind of lift everybody up regardless of the, the genre? Have I mean, you that's seen the hope. I've, I've, I feel like the last five years or so has really set back a lot of those things that we set out to do. Like mm-hmm. when I, when I read your bio, when I read your book, when I, you know, look into your, your, your services online, I'm just so blessed, man. Mm. And I don't, and I don't want blessed to just roll by like a word. I am like 
empowered and encouraged uh-huh. to see some of the things that we felt like we were a voice crying in the wilderness. Mm. Like who would imagine that an African-American pastor would pa- pastor a multicultural church? There are a lot yeah. of Caucasian friends of mine who pastor multicultural churches and right. I love them. But to see what you guys are doing and to see it modeled out is equal parts encouraging and equal parts like uh, prompting to see more people in that space. And I feel like we've been set back quite a bit with all the rhetoric that has been coming from the top levels of government. And I'm hoping that we can turn it around. It's like our ministries have aligned because evidently you've been out there with that message for a while. We've been out there with that message for a while. Mm-hmm. And God knows just when to kind of connect yeah. and hook people up. And I've, I'm just another shout out to my worship guy, and that is he'll take uh, your songs. And man, you have a lot of amazing songs, you know. Uh, it's like, okay, I guess I loved you and didn't realize that I loved you. I wonder how many people in the world are like, man, I love that guy, who's Thank that you. guy? And so, <laughs> you know, now like, Ronald, what are some of the top songs? And all of the songs that God has used through you, uh, Israel Houghton, New Breed, people are singing it everywhere. I mean, I'll be preaching at a white church and I'll all hear Alpha and Omega. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that was you. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you know, and then my mom's like, we are, Lord God is good or whatever, <laughs> all the time. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is awesome. So it's almost like God has, has aligned us to do greater work uh, through our friendship and other networks, but to really um, show people that bridge building is possible, you know, and that uh, regardless of your color, class, culture, your your political stance, whether you're Republican or Mm -hmm. Democrat and all the craziness going on in our country, that God's called us to something higher. Yeah. And we need to do it. So I can't wait for you to come down uh, to Bridgeway, but I want you to give a word. You know, we're doing these conversations of hope. And if you'll just take a moment and speak to our people at Bridgeway, a word that God may have given you to sow into us. We're ready to listen. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have found myself praying um, for you, for your ministry, for the sound that is coming from there, even for your building program. Oh, you thank know? you. And, um, I I think I look at it this way. Um, No one, not the greatest prophets among us, could have foreseen what um, the last year has has done, you Mm -hmm. know, and has it has so uh, it has been such a global reset. It's as if God just was like, okay. Let's, let's, let's start again. And, and what I kind of love, it, and, and again, I, you got you to know that I love the local church, right? Mm. What I really love about the local church right now is that the big eyes and the little U's are no longer, you know, everybody yeah. is now on yeah. the same level. Yeah. And what is really, really poking through and speaking greater than presentation, greater than um, how good something looks or sounds. It's the message. Mm. And is our message good enough to translate to somebody's cell phone Mm. or somebody's computer or somebody's television in their home? Because the idea that we had of 
boy, we had church today. You know, I, I got mm -hmm. my favorite parking yeah. spot. I got my favorite seat. The yeah. worship leader sang all my favorite joints. Yeah. So God, I'm even going to give extra in this offering yeah. because we had church. Yeah. Well, what does we had church mean now? Yeah. And I think yeah. what does we had church mean now is what am I connected to? Yeah. Um, I can tell just by sitting down with you and meeting some of your staff today and some of your, your team that, that your worship and your leadership and the, the house smells good. <laughs> You're so right. Okay, so let me explain. Thank you. You ever drive through a town that has sulfur springs or like mm -hmm. a paper mill and that crazy, mm -hmm. you know, pungent smell is in the air? Yeah. And you're driving through it and you go, everybody asks this question, whoa, how do people live here? Yeah, yeah. What is the answer almost every time? They get used to it. Yeah. They're almost and, nose blind. Yeah, nose blind. And so I've gone to many a church and sat with many a pastor and many a worship team. And you could walk in and just go, man, you don't smell that? Hmm because we have become so nose blind to what we do and what our secret handshakes are and, mm. and, and who's, in the, who's in the end circle and who's not. Yeah. And I can tell by just our interaction, it smells mm. good where you are, which mm. means your leadership to all of your lieutenants, so to speak, mm. has translated in a beautiful way. That said, what is We Had Church Today mean? It means you're connected to something that is mm. healthy. Mm. It means that you're connected to something that is unpredictably predictable. Meaning, yes, we're going to leave room for the Spirit of God to move. We are going to be as fluid as we can, but we're not yeah. going to be flighty and crazy and, yeah. and petulant and unpredictable in a way that you don't know if we're going to be here next week or not. Mm. So I, I, I want to encourage those who are either in the building or watching on a screen that you're a part of something that has, has become so necessary, mm. not just to the body of Christ, but to the world at large and to the community at large. And when you can, when you can align yourself with a solid ministry, with people who understand what's really going on in our nation, what's really going on in the soul of the, the foundation of a lot of our, our, our church systems, for that matter, mm. and somebody who can cut through that and go, this is really what matters. I I feel like you should breathe <laughs> and take heart that you're in the right place. Mm. And um, what I'm looking forward to is as the world begins to reopen safe, yeah. safely and all of that, that it's going to, there are going to be some people who have been under the radar for a long time, mm. um, who have been building well, and not that you've been under the radar because yeah. you're a superstar as well, but because I'm hanging out with you. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there is this there is this ability uh, and it and I, I see it happening in, in in our church here in New York at CCC with with Dr. Bernard. There is just there. People are crying out for real leadership. Yeah. And yeah. not fly by night, you know. Uh, pop culture leadership, yeah, but yeah. like actual leaders. Yeah, and that's and, a shout out to your pastor, by the way. Yeah, he's, he's amazing, leader, and, and and as are you. And I think, 
I think people, you know, are, are, certainly our faith has been shaken by, do I go to church? What does this mean anymore? You know, we've had to reset everything yeah. in our thinking. But I think you've done a good job of raising people to understand the difference between yeah. just attending church and actually being the church. Praise God. It's been amazing how God has allowed us to continue to grow and to touch people's lives as we speak to them wherever they are. Yeah. And uh, if somebody is sitting in their bed right now, you know, we used to call them bedside Baptists, mm -hmm. but somebody's in their bed right now, they've got their phone up. We're so glad they're there. We're so glad to be able to minister to, to them. Uh, what one final word would you give that person in the bed right now uh, or in their kitchen or maybe in their living room with their whole family? Amber and I, by the way, have been able, my wife and I and the kids have been able to watch church together for the first time right. in our ministry. Right. Right. And so now I go to church with my family uh, and it's been for 40 two weeks now. Wow. We haven't had that in the over 20 some years yeah, right. we've been married. So that's really cool. But what would you say to them uh, right now about uh, this next coming year? Uh, what hope do they have? Somebody needs that hope right now. And uh, you really are a model of hope because you may have looked like you were dead, but you rose again. You know what I mean? I sure, mean sure. Somebody needs needs to hear that right now. What are you thinking for 2021? Yeah, I, I, I do feel for 2021 um, that, um, all right, I feel like there is new wine being poured out. Mm. And... Everyone now has the choice to either put it in the old wineskin or allow God to fashion a new one this year. And I believe all of last year, I believe all of last year was about God stripping away what we had relied upon so much. And mm. some of it's like scaffolding. Imagine building a house mm. and going, man, but the scaffolding played such a huge role in putting up this 30-foot wall. And imagine your wife going, yeah, babe, you know, let's leave it up there. Yeah, Let's right. just honor it and leave it up there. Right. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's scaffolding. That's right. And yet sometimes we fall in love with scaffolding. Isn't that something? Mm, and and in the name of we need to honor what was, mm -hmm. we end up having, you know, rebar in our living room and it doesn't yeah. make any sense it's not useful anymore it's not useful anymore so us falling in love with old ways of doing things and old methods of doing things and this is how church is done um is a gigantic mistake and a gigantic trap and i think what god has done the last year for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear he's been stripping that away and fashioning something new and those who are willing to let him fashion something new are going to see the greatest revival we've ever seen. And I'm going to tell you why. Mm. <clears throat> I have teenagers and I have millennials. And, 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 and so I'm, I try to hang with them until they go, Dad, you're just corny. You know, and yeah, then right, I got right. to go hang out with older people. But when I'm hanging with them and trying to understand what they're talking about, they're basically saying, we love Jesus. We're not sure if we love the Jesus of our parents and the methods with which they have done what they've done, but we love Jesus. And when you hear that, you go, okay, got it. Because I think even in, even in music and style and everything else, we've almost attempted to make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And what happens when you make a copy of a copy? Let me give you an example. If I took the newest, 
BTS, you know, record Mm -hmm. on cassette. Now, this is really me dating myself and made a copy of that cassette in my in my, you know, boom box and handed you that. Right. Said here, here, this is his new BTS. You'd be like, okay, cool. You know, is it the English one or the Korean one? It's the English one you can understand. Yeah. And you go home and in that same boom box, make a copy of the copy I gave you right. for, for your friend. And they take it. By the time that's happened two or three times, the scientific term for that is you lose a generation. Mm. Every time you make wow. a copy of a copy, you lose a generation. Wow. How about that? You wow. also lose quality, right? Yeah, yeah. What does that say about the next generation? They are quality. Yeah. But if we try and shove them into our old wineskin of That's good. how things have been done, and this is how we've had success, yeah. so this is how you need to do it, we're actually going to lose a generation. Wow. And I don't, I don't think we've ever been at a time, ever, mm. that that is, that is both opportunistic to reach a generation yeah. and, and, and very, very detrimental to lose one. Wow. So I said all that to say, welcome to your new wineskin. Yeah. Because God is doing something significant, yeah. not only in your generation, but in the next one. I'm doing a new thing, say it the Lord. Absolutely. I love it. All right, you want to do a new thing? Yeah. Something that uh, you don't know about, they don't know about, but I thought about um, for Christmas, my uh, 20-year-old daughter uh, gave me a Christmas present. And guess what she gave me? She gave me a <laughs> traveling communion set. Oh, wow. For a minister, so I can do communion. Okay, I had uh, an old one, but this is brand new. That's fantastic. I've never used it. The only problem is, the only problem is I don't have any bread or anything. I don't know if we can find something to eat, but we have cranberry. Let's go. So we could pour it and make it wine. That's great. Let's see if I know how to to do this, but isn't this kind of cool? That's really so good. So we're going to do it together. And here's the thing. If you're up for it, we can really uh, lead y'all in the communion. Love if it. you want to uh, go get a cracker or go get a piece of bread, push pause or whatever, uh, get a Sprite, a Diet Coke, some wine. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. Jesus turned water into wine, so I think you're going to be okay there. Uh, but, okay. All right. So check this out. I Isn't thought cool? Jesus turned it into Welch's grape juice. No? Right, right. Tropicana, man. <laughs> There you go. All right. This is fantastic. I know. I don't know why I'm setting up six of them, but I'm just going to do it because we get to do it together first. And I'm going to, let's see, put this here and let's pour this. We're going to have communion, y'all. I love that. With Israel Houghton. He's, I would have brought crackers had I known. I right? know. You know. Uh, so we're we going we gonna to work it out. We're going to find some crackers. One time I ate a piece of pie on the stage and somebody brought me milk, I was I was good for the rest That's of the day. That's awesome. So I bet you if we just pray for the man of the fall, it's going to come. Okay. All right, anyway. Man, I'm excited to, cool? to see your church, man. I can't wait for you to come. I can't wait for you to come. All right, we're going to do this and this. I'm coordinating. Clearly, I'm not fantastic. an usher. fantastic. You want me to hold that? All right, you hold this. All right. Do you want to pour? Man, I feel like there's better qualified people, but let's try. All right, you pour mine, I'll pour yours. How's I'm that? Pour this one. Oh, all right, go ahead. Oh, that one. Look at that. Two. All right. Hand to eye coordination. I know, right? All right, so we're gonna sit this here. We're gonna pray for our man to show up, and then we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do communion together. Then we'll be done. But brilliant. That's kind of fun, right? It Have is. Have you done yeah. communion yet this year? 
I haven't done it this I year. I have, yet. yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I have. You're one up on me. You're more spiritual. <laughs> well, it came into the new year. Is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Right, yeah. So tell me about the Wednesdays at uh, Wednesdays and worship at home. Worship Wednesdays, yeah. Worship Wednesdays. It, it, it was one of those things that when, when the lockdown happened, um, I started watching everybody kind of who had been relying on touring, you know, going online and, hey, let's do this and, you know, let's, let's, let's stay in, in front of people. And my wife was like, you know, you should do that. You should go live. And I was just like, probably for six, eight weeks, I was like, nah, I'm not trying to do that. Um, just because the idea of like, okay, you know, granted, I, I worship at home just about every day, you know, but she's like, why not let, let people into that? And I, I kind of, I kind of pushed it away until I started doing it. And when I started doing it, all of these people started responding like, man, I needed this. Thank you. This is incredible. You know, whatever. And I think, I think at that point, my heart was really moved and and drawn to people who were like, no, this is what I do every Wednesday at 8 p.m. I'm I'm on with you. I'm going to join you, man. There were people from Asia. There are people from South Africa on. It's like you're in people's homes. It's crazy. And it's really what prompted us to ultimately do feels like home, which yeah. was kind of a worship Wednesday with yeah. a bunch of people. In yeah. There. And thanks for highlighting us. Yeah. Uh, you guys were song. incredible. So, incredible. So the manna has arrived okay. and it is yummy, yummy donuts, man. That's not sinful, right? No, it's I, when you I do feel like, communion, I feel like no God fat. has really provided. This is outstanding. <laughs> so, you know, all the fat, all the calories are gone when you're doing it. Oh, as yeah, communion. absolutely. All right, so um, do you want to do the bread piece or you want to do the wine piece? You got to understand something about me. Okay. I'm going to let you do both. And okay. here's why. Because yeah. I'm just the guy on guitar behind the guy who's Who is going your guitar? on the night that he was betrayed. Come on. And I'm just playing. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to, just because I have a lot of respect for your church. Oh, you're good, man. I'm going to acquiesce to your leadership. We'll, we'll, we'll break bread together. All so right. this is the bread and your cracker or whatever you have. It really represents the body of Christ that was broken uh, for us. So it's not so much a ritual as much as it is a, a remembrance. And you know what Jesus did. His body was broken for you. His flesh was ripped for you. And when we take the bread, we are proclaiming uh, the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. And we're also remembering what he has done for us. So if you have your bread, let us commune together. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Lord. That's the best communion cracker I've had ever. Oh, my gosh. Period. Mm. Mm -mm. Amazing. God is good. God is faithful. All right. You ready for the uh, wine? Yes. All right. Let me have you grab yours so we'll keep our social distance. But I have a question for you. Have you ever cheers to (laughs) and communion for the blood of Christ? (laughs) <laughs> think about that, man. I've never done this before. I don't think I have either. Yeah. But here's the thing. When you think about it, <laughs> honestly, when you think about it, the blood of Christ was not separated in small little glasses. It really did come together. Yeah. And the unity of his blood flowing together brings us together. And we are unified as a result of it, regardless of color, class or culture. Love that. Literally, the blood of Christ flows through 
all of us. And so as we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, remember that without the blood, uh, there would be no remission uh, for our sins. And we wouldn't be able to have humor. We wouldn't be able to have stories where we could talk about the great redeemer who who restored our lives. And right. so when you take whatever it is you are drinking, uh, we're not being sacrilegious. We're actually saying it's because of what Christ has done for us that we can have a joy. And that we can think about when we take this cup that really the Lord is washing us and cleansing us and making us new. So with that said, let us commune Cheers. together. Cheers. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.